So we're jumping right in. We're in 2 Peter chapter, chapter 2. And um, 2 Peter is outlined like this. Truth, chapter 1 is truth. Lies, chapter 2 is lies. And then chapter 3, which will begin next week, is the end of all things. And so we're right in the middle of the book. And we've, we, we're in the middle of the, we're starting the second half of chapter 2, which is about lies and false teaching and how do you know. And, and this morning's going to be different than maybe a normal than a normal sermon because like normally at least I imagine I hope you come you come to church whether it's this church or a church and you show up and you're like all right I want to be encouraged I want to learn something I want to hear from the Lord I want to you know be able to put to practice maybe some of the things I hear and and some encouragement for this next week and and this sorry to burst your boat this is not that This is not a, hey, this next week, here's some things we can think about or, you know, as we, as we strive to serve the Lord and love the Lord and, and share, share them with other people. This is, this serves as a warning. And this may be a wake-up call for some, for some of us. It, it, it really might. But for, for the majority of us, this serves as a, as a cautionary tale, as a, hey, listen, you're not, this isn't something to apply this week, but rather a, hey, be on the lookout for this. Because this can ruin your life and ruin your faith. So it serves at Peter is, and he doesn't, he doesn't hold back. We're going to jump in and it's, it's like he, he goes, he, he, like you could tell that this is Peter, like he's at the end of his life. And this is, this is sort of his last, his, his last thing he's going to share before he dies because he, he just doesn't care. He just writes out like the things that they're, they're, I'm, in your life, there may be times where you've kind of held back. You know, I really shouldn't say that because, you know, um, it might, you know, make things awkward or weird. And then, and then I, think, I think this is the way it works. And you, some of you can tell me this is true. The older you get, the more you just don't care anymore. And you just are like, eh, right. And then you get a certain age. I remember one guy who was a, just a dear saint in the faith and, and uh, was a youth leader of mine for years and years, was in youth ministry for 50 years. His name was Jerry. I think I've talked about him before. And, uh, and he's now in his eight, mid to 80s, probably upper 80s. And he goes, Brandon, I love being old. I can say whatever I want. And I'm like, man, you can. I'm not going to tell you no. Like, I'm right. Yeah, of course. And, and so Peter is that. Like, he's at that phase where he's just going to write down, this is what I think. This is what, this is what the Lord has to say. This is the truth about them. And I'm not going to hold back. And he's Here's what he's going to tell us. Who you listen to influences you. Listen, who you listen to influences you. So, ready? So listen wisely. Be smart and discerning with those you listen to. Now, we know this is true in our life. And, and especially even this last week, this was an election week. And, and, uh, and you know, a lot of things happened, you know, both in our, in our state and in our country. And, 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 like you see a clear divide, right? And people are upset. And, and here's what usually happens. The people you listen to usually are the people you agree with and they confirm your thing. So we have a confirmation bias where I'm gonna listen to the people that I already decided I agree with and they're gonna say things. I'm gonna say, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're right. And guess what? Whoever, whatever side you're on, the other side is doing the same thing. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're right. Because who you listen to influences you politically, um, uh, educationally. This is true of, of the teachers that you have. Like if you um, went to a certain uh, university or college or, and, and like that experience shapes you and it influences you. 
hopefully for the better. Like we have, there's a reason that people have a lot of like alma mater school pride because like, man, yeah, I identify with that school. That's my school. That's my people. And, and, and who you listen to influences you. Now listen, it is the same and it is true for pastors as well. Now you can find a pastor that lands on one side of one argument or another that lines up with you and say like, yeah, I want to listen to them because that's true. And listen, and, and that's not necessarily bad, but it can be if that's all you do. If everything you do, when you think about theology or scripture, or I want to understand the Lord, I always go through this person. They are my filter for everything. That can be a problem. And Peter's going to tell us specifically uh, about, a, about people who are, this is happening to them and, and others that are actually doing this. And, and, and like, there are some doctrines that, that we have disagreements about and we keep it what are usually called like within the family. Meaning, hey, on any kind of particular doctrine or issue, you can generally find churches and pastors and, and believers who believe one side or the other and, and they both can't both be true, like they're opposite ends, but, but you can hold to either of them and still be a Christian. You're in the family. What we're talking about here is not like, like outside the faith. We're just saying like, yeah, you can hold this or you can hold this. I'll, we'll go through an example later today. Um, but then there are some that actually take you, like whatever the family circle is, that take you outside of it. And that's what Peter is addressing is now those false teachers who take you outside of the, the family of like, of like traditional or like, like acceptable kind of evangelical understanding of Christianity, whatever, that, whatever those words mean to you, whatever that circle looks like where we say, yeah, they're a believer, they're a follower of Jesus. He's addressing ones that say, no, let's take you outside of it. Oof. Who you listen to influences you, so listen wisely because we're told that there are false teachers who are destructive and are devastating to people. Paul dealt with them. He dealt with them. We see it all over his letters. Peter deals with it. He's dealing with, with it right here. And guess what? Ready? We deal with it. It happens today. Uh, I'll, I'll share a little bit like some of my experience here in a minute here, but, but like you, you see this, you know this to be true. So how do I identify false teachers? Peter's gonna be talking all about false teachers and what they promote and, and the lies that they share and, and how it affects people. How do I know? How do I know? Okay, first, ready? Let me just say this. Don't, don't trust anyone on the stage just because they're on the stage. Just because someone holds up a Bible and stands on a stage or maybe on a TV program or they have some sort of platform where, where people are listening or maybe you're watching or maybe it's a, uh, it's a podcast, how, whatever it looks like, just because they're saying, I'm gonna quote a scripture and I'm gonna talk about God and, and people are gonna listen to me, just because that's happening, it doesn't mean they're right. We're really good at, at this. As Christians, we're really good at assuming and ascribing holiness and write doctrine to people just because they're standing on a stage. I get up here and you guys just assume I'm right. Now, it's a fair assumption. Good job on your part. But listen, it is really easy to anything, anytime you see 
someone preaching or, or speaking or teaching from the word, you just think, yeah, all right, I wanna, I wanna listen. And, and, and I wanna be careful because I don't, here's the, like, the pendulum can easily swing to, all right, you know what? Let's go after all of them. Let's critique everything they ever say. And if we find anything wrong, we dismiss them, heretic. You, so the, the answer is not, is not I, you know what? I wholeheartedly believe anything that any pastor or any person says. No, you can't do that. But the, the opposite is also not true. You like, don't do this. Don't go home and Google false teacher and then your favorite like pastor or national speaker because you will find websites calling them a false teacher. You will find a lot. And it doesn't matter who you put. Actually, there's probably none about me. I'm not, I'm like, who am I? But, but like you, so you, you can go on and you can go through every, and people are, this is what they, they feel like it's their job to take down every single person who publicly speaks about the Lord. And that also is, that is not what we're talking about. That is not right. Somewhere in the middle is a sense where we say, all right, I need to have some wisdom and discernment here because not everyone who says, thus saith the Lord, can be trusted. Now, Peter's gonna reference some pretty extreme contexts where this happens. Um, and I'm gonna reference some pretty extreme contexts where we see this happen today in today's world. Here's what he says, okay? First, how do I identify false teachers? Okay, ready? False teachers carry an arrogance about them. There's a sense of superiority to them that they, that they have, this self-inflated view of themselves. That now, no, listen. Okay, the opposite is not true though. Not all people who are arrogant are false teachers. Okay, we can't say that. Well, they're arrogant. Okay, they might be, but they also might have good doctrine. And they, they, may, they, they may need to be humbled, but they're not wrong. But what we do see is that false teachers really do have an arrogance about them. And here's why, and it makes total sense. Because, listen, I have a secret understanding that you don't. I have a special relationship with the Lord that you don't. I have a special blessing from him, a special mission from him. Don't touch the Lord's anointed. Listen, I am, I'm in a different role. God has, God has blessed me and put me in a different spot. And so, so listen, who are you to tell me anything? That's the attitude. You hear that, you smell that, you feel that, and you say, ooh, that's not right. I don't like that feeling. There's an, there's a, a, a an arrogance about them because they've been gifted by God and are, man, they are such a special blessing to the rest of us. Thank you for blessing us with your presence. That's genuinely how they feel. Now, before we just write this off and say, no pastor would do this, listen, you don't have to do a deep dive in like in the interwebs to find pastors who have said these very things, like current day people who talk just like this. Ooh. They carry an arrogance about them. Here's what Peter writes. Verse 10, the second half, starts kind of a new section. It says this, bold and arrogant, they are not afraid to heap abuse on celestial beings, or in the Greek, it literally says the glorious ones. Yet, not even, yet even angels, although they are stronger and more powerful, do not heap abuse on such beings when bringing judgment on them from the Lord. All right. Peter, what? <laughs> here's, here's what he's saying, ready? These people 
will actually condemn these spiritual beings. It seems to indicate based on this and a few other passages and like what he talks about, that these are probably fallen beings. These are fallen angels, but they're still these celestial beings that are worthy of judgment. And yet he says that, that it, they, fi- they find it their job to cast and accuse condemnation on them. And he says, listen, listen, not even angels, actual angels, like real angels that are more powerful than these false teachers would do such a thing. But in their pride, in their arrogance, they feel like it's their job to accuse or condemn other spiritual beings. Now, before you think this is weird or like no one does this, uh, listen, I I could point you to a video of a a guy um, during COVID who did this very thing publicly, nationally, got, you know, of course, you know, uh, like, of course, skeptics look at this and be like, he's crazy. And, and, you know, us Christians, we look at this and say, yes, he's crazy. (laughs) And he says, I, I rebuke you, COVID. I rebuke you, Satan. And I cast you to, and he's doing all this stuff. And you're going, whoa, this is it. Like 2,000 years ago, Peter talked about this. And here's this guy doing this very thing. Jude gives us a little bit more insight into like the specifics of what this looks like. Jude is uh, very much a parallel to 2 Peter. And so we'll reference that a few times this morning. Jude says this, Jude, in Jude's one chapter, so it just gives us verses. Jude 8 and 9 says this, in the very same way on the strength of their, and this is, this is actually important, like I just saw this this morning actually. On the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies. They have dreams, and so therefore it leads them down this path. They reject authority, and here it is, and heap abuse on celestial beings. Then Jude gives us some more insight. He says this, but, not, but even the archangel Michael, like the, the guy, like when we think there's only a few angels that actually are named in the scriptures, Michael's one of them, and he's like top dog. He's like angel of angels, right? Even the archangel Michael, when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, Even he did not himself dare to condemn him, the devil, for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Even the archangel Michael, when they're having this debate about what we do with Moses and he's debating with the devil himself, even then he says, listen, it's not my job to condemn. The Lord condemn you. I'm just serving him. The restraint that this, and he says that these these false teachers, bold and arrogant, they don't carry the same amount of restraint at all, at all. All. There is an arrogance to them that they are, they are above the law, so to speak. He goes on, verse 12, but these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like unreasoning animals, uh, creatures of instinct, born only to be caught and destroyed, and like animals, they too will perish. He starts to kind of intro, he, he, listen, just so you know, here's how it's gonna end for them. But listen, they don't know what they're doing. Like animals, they just, they just, they just, they can't, they can't understand or show any kind of restraint because they are better than it all. They are above the rest of us. Listen, I'm telling you, as, as a guy in ministry who is kind of, you know, behind the scenes and, and around other ministers and, and even on the national level, like these guys very much exist and are running rampant today, causing all kinds of heartache. False teachers carry an arrogance about them. Here's the second thing he's going to tell us. False teachers, not only they're arrogant, but they, and, and, and as each step gets worse, like it, this is going to get really hard, and then it just gets, it gets terrible. Here we go. False teachers prey on others to fulfill their own desires. 
They have a, a predatory nature, a predatory aspect about them that colors everything in their life. Now, this, this next section may be hard for some of us because I, I know and I've spoken with a few of us here at this church that, that you've gone through experiences like this where you've in really hard negative experience like church experiences with ministry, with pastors. And, and I've even had a few people share with me like, hey, we just have a hard time, you know, just trusting and listening to pastors as we're talking to a pastor. And I'm like, oh man, okay. Thanks for sharing that. Really, I appreciate that. Thanks for, because it helps me understand where you're coming from. But also, okay, we've, we've got a hole to get out of then, don't we? To increase your trust that we're not all bad. Some of you have, like, as we go through this, it's, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna be able to point to that and say, that's exactly what happened. That's exactly what it felt like. Here's what Peter says. They will be paid back har- with harm for the harm they have done. He says, don't worry, listen, God will judge them. They will be, they will be dealt with, okay? Now he describes them. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. For them, there's a, a, a shamelessness about their, their desire to live their life how they want and who are you to judge me? I'm gonna do what I want. They're, they're what we could call hedonistic indulgence, this idea that like I, my life is all about me and, and, and providing joy and happiness for me and everyone else, everyone else exists to serve that end. They see people as, as, uh, as a means to an end, as, as things, things to be used to help propagate their lifestyle. And they do this, ready for this? As Peter says, unashamedly, in broad daylight, without even, without even any kind of remorse or humility. He says this, they are, they are blots and blemishes. This is a play on words because it's the opposite of spotless and blameless. He's gonna talk about this in chapter three. And the Greek words he uses for spotless and blameless are the same words he uses here, except for the negation in front of him. He has an A. So it's like, they are not spotless. They are not blameless. In chapter three, we're gonna see the opposite of that. And he says, the, they, they, they are with spot and with blame and with blemish. They aren't the spotless bride of Jesus. He goes on, reveling in their pleasures while they feast with you. As much as we want to think like these are those outside the church and they, we have no interaction with them, what he recognizes is they're actually in your midst and they're eating with you and dining with you and they're doing this while they do it. And, and a number of commentators, I think rightly so, they associate this not with just like simply having a meal, but this is, this is very much um, a... a, a a reference to that maybe they're even abusing communion. That the feast here is referencing and referring to something else. It isn't just like eating, but an actual like meal, a specific meal. And, the, and one of the parallels we get is from Jude 12. Again, if you jump over to Jude 12, it says this, these people are blemishes. You can see the kind of the parallel language. They are blemishes at your, and then he says this, love feasts eating with you without the slightest qualm, shepherds who feed only themselves. This, this term here, love feast, is a very specific term and is referencing and referring to communion and the Lord's table and having a specific meal at your home in which you take communion. 
I don't, I don't know if you know this. Um, I'm, I hope you do, that, that the early church would do this, would take communion in their homes. They'd break bread in their homes. They didn't, it wasn't like how we do it, where, you know, you come to church and you get, you know, you get your thimble half filled of grape juice and you get, you know, your like fingernail sized cracker and we're like, here it is, you know, <laughs> um, which is fine by the way. And we do that and it's great and it's a wonderful time. But if you've ever, I don't know if you've ever done this. If you've ever done a communion meal, like if you're in a small group, with, with people or just friends, just people that you know, and you say, hey, let's just do a, let's just have a meal together and let's just add communion to it. Oh my goodness, it takes it to a whole new level where you realize, oh wow, doing it in your home is different. And so they would have these meals in their homes and it would be this long extended affair and they would experience the Lord's table together. And what Jude says here and what maybe Peter is alluding to is, is they come, they come to these meetings, these meals that you have, and they live their lifestyle even, in, even at the feast that you're having. Wow. They are abusing communion. This may be the thing that, that Paul is addressing when he ta- writes to, uh, in 1 Corinthians that they're abusing the Lord's table. This may be the thing he's talking about. It goes on. With eyes full of adultery, they never stop sinning. Here's what this tells us. Ready? They're always looking for their next victim and specifically in the realm of adultery. And, and I don't know, I mean, I don't know how well you follow, like, you know, over the last however many decades, the kind of the, the public pastors that have fallen, but man, there's been a lot. And what do you know? This is always the issue. This is always the issue. And this happens, um, usually, usually this is the hard part. And this is what's so terrible and why it's, why it's, why it's so detestable is it, it isn't just a one-time thing like, a, oh, whoops, I, I'm, I'm, I made a mistake. I'm, I messed up. It's my fault, but I'm going to fix it. It's usually decades of this lifestyle with hundreds of victims. And we don't find, this is what makes it so hard. We don't find out about it until the end. Either they retire or they pass away and then things start to kind of come out and, and get public and, and, it's, and it just is going... I can't believe this. I can't believe this. This last week, I was uh, just, you know, it was not a fun week researching for this. Like, oh, it's super encouraging. And, and I'm, I'm looking at guys that I'm like, man, this is, this is describing them. And one guy in particular, and I, I told uh, Pastor Andy, I'm, you know, we're, I, I texted him. I'm like, dude, I, I'm like, this is messing me up. I go, I gotta, think, I, I gotta throw away all this guy's books, even though they're good books. I don't think I can, I don't think I can have that name on my shelf. Now, with all the stuff that's come out and just reading and, and, and understanding, like, this, this, I mean, this is, and this is fresh. This has just happened. Man. With eyes of adultery, they never stop sinning, always looking for the next person until either they get caught or they die. Oof. They seduce, he goes on to continue, they seduce the unstable. In the Greek here, it's, um, it's actually a fishing metaphor, this word seduce. It literally means to lure with bait. That they lure with bait, with attractive bait, those who, are, um, who, uh, who he calls um, unstable, or, or rather that they, uh, they don't have a, 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 they don't have a, a foundational footing for, for which their faith stands. 
And we're gonna see this here in a second that this is probably referring to this as well as another verse. He's probably referring to young or new Christians or, or just not mature in their faith, believers, who are susceptible to listening to a very charismatic person who, ha- who looks the part, who says the right stuff, who preaches the word and they hear it. And, they, and it's, very, it's very easy to say, man, I just really, I really resonate with them and I just follow them. And, 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 and those are the kinds of people that they pray on. Yet they, they, they seduce or they, they lure with bait those who aren't as stable in their faith. False teaching, here's the deal. Here's the issue with false teaching, ready? It is very subtle and it isn't easy to point out and say, oh, clearly, cl- everyone knows. It's attractive. And that's why people listen to it and believe it because there's a sense of truth to it. It's not, there's a, it, it's not all wrong. There's some in there, but, but it's misleading. And unless or until you can get to a point where you say like, I've, I think I'm, I think I have a good foundation in my faith. I think I have, I think I have at least a little bit of wisdom. I'm not wise, so, so to speak, but I can at least like know good doctrine from bad and, and I can recognize that. If you don't have that, it is very easy for you to follow some of this, to get into this. And then he continues here. They are experts in Greed. More accurately, the ESV says that their hearts are trained in greed. Here's what this means, ready? That they, they, they actually discipline themselves and get better at the art and craft of greed. That they aren't greedy. That's not enough. It's worse than that. That they actually practice getting better at it. Now, okay, story time, ready? Uh, my, my first experience of this um, was uh, I'd been a Christian for probably a couple years. Uh, gosh, I think I was probably, I was probably 19 maybe at this point. Um, and I remember with some, uh, some close friends of mine who were, who were good friends and believers and like strong in the faith and had been Christians longer than I, certainly than I had been. And we went with an adult that was a trusted adult, a guy that I was like, man, yeah, I would, I would absolutely like follow this guy. And like, man, I'm like a, uh, He's a, he's, a, he's a great Christian leader and I was in a Bible study he was leading and I'm like, awesome. We go to this, um, we go to this meeting at a church I've never been to with, and I listen to a guy I've never heard of, but he's traveling from out of town and he's a big deal. And it's like, you know, thousands of people are gonna show up to this thing. And, uh, and all right, all right, well, let's go. So we go and we show up to this thing, we get our seats and it's full. And he's just like, you know, there's worship and, and you know, they're doing different songs. I never heard these songs. But then again, I never heard any songs, right? I, like, by the way, I don't know if you know this. I, I feel like I have to share this because it's a shock to everyone. Um, if you don't grow up in church, you don't know the songs. Did you know that? Like, I, like for, for years, I didn't sing ever, ever. And they're like, why aren't you singing? I'm like, I don't know what this is. And, 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 it's, and, it's, and, and it'd be like a, a classic hymn. It'd be a classic hymn. Like even now, like people will sing hymns or they'll show up and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Even our staff, they'll be like, oh, do you remember growing up we watched, you know, like uh, Bible Man or something like that? Is, was that? That was a thing, right? Yeah, okay, there's a woot. Yeah, I'm like, what is that? I don't know what that is. So it, it just doesn't mean much that I showed up and didn't know their songs. I'm like, I didn't know anything. I'm just learning it all. So I show up and, and he starts preaching and, um, and right away, right away, I'm like, something's off. Something is off. 
and he starts preaching. I remember his sermon, so I guess he was good. <laughs> I remember his sermon. He talked about east from west. And if you travel east, it's for blessing. And if you travel west, it's for curse. So you want to, every time you see in the Bible, the word the, that they moved from, from, they moved to the east, it was God was blessing them. And you want to move in the direction of the east and never the west. And I'm sitting here going, I don't, ah, I'm pretty sure Jesus traveled both directions. I don't think he was an east only kind of guy. You run out of east at some point, you got to go back. So, so I'm listening to this going like, oh, I don't know, man, this feels like a stretch. And people are just loving it. Just, just like, even the people I came with are, yeah, yeah. I'm going, what? It's just a direction. Okay, all right, what else do you have to say? All right, I want you to move into your east tonight. Okay, all right, sounds great. Here's what that looks like. God talks about blessing those, uh, giving a blessing to those who give. All right, and I'm like, okay, here we go. And he says, before I came tonight, you know, in Fresno, California, which is where I was, which is, you know, woo, any, Fresno? <laughs> you know where it is? Yeah, just keep driving through it. Just keep driving. <laughs> and he goes, he goes, um, the Lord told me, Lord told me, there's a thousand people in here that need to give a thousand dollars. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm out. I got $4 and a coupon, right? I got like, uh, I'm gonna get a free taco after this. Like, that's all I got. Lord told me, Lord told me. And, and so they do this, uh, they do, they start playing music and people are, you know, there's, you know, hands are raised and all kinds of stuff. And people are speaking different tongues and languages. And, and, and I'm just, you know, I'm, again, I've been a Christian for, you know, two, three years, but I've been studying my Bible and reading a lot and learning a lot. And I'm going, this isn't right. This isn't, when, when Jesus says, I'm gonna establish my church, I don't think it's this thing that we're experiencing right now. And then he says, and, and you know what? The Lord told me, he just told me, he just told me here, here in Fresno, you guys, listen, he, he, he wants an extra special blessing tonight. 10 of you need to give $10,000. He's calling you to give 10,000. I don't know who you are, right? I see the faces right now. Okay, yeah, you're shocked because you're like $10,000, right? Now, by the way, we're gonna try this later on in the service, okay? <laughs> And he says, there's 10 of you, all right? And then they start the altar call, and they're like, all right, if you want to come, and people just come line up and line up. And I'm going, how, how, how are these people doing this? How, are you kidding me? I'm like, man, I'm glad none of us are going. I look over at my friend standing up and going down. And I'm like, what? They got you too? Like, how is this possible? Man, if I ever, if I ever lead a church, I need to learn from this guy, <laughs> It was amazing. Lee Terrible. <laughs> it was heart-wrenching because I'm watching this going, man, these people are going up and they probably have little to no money and they're gonna give what they have. And this guy, I mean, his shoes are worth more than like all of our net worth. Like, man, this guy is living at large and, and we're gonna keep giving. And, and then they have, they, they have uh, at the end of it, they do the thing and the, the, you know, the offering. And then and they say, you know what? You know what, guys? I don't, this doesn't happen very often. This doesn't happen very often. People are like, oh, oh, what? What's gonna happen? Listen, the Lord wants to double bless you guys. Here's what that means. A double giving. <laughs> like, okay, you're good. You're good. Here's what we, here, the Lord's calling us for another offering. I think some of you, maybe you're holding back. And, and, and so like right now, now is your chance. And you see more people stand up and come forward. I'm going, holy, we're gonna be here all night doing this. 
And, and then eventually we're done and wrap up and worship and the whole thing. And I'm like, you know, at, at this point, I'm like, I'm done. Like, I, can we just go, you know, you were my ride. I got to wait for you. I, can we just leave? And, and I talked with my friend afterward and, uh, and she goes, man, and she, you know, hand raised the whole thing. And she went up forward and I'm like, hey, so she goes, How, what'd you think? And I said, ah, oh, you know, it's fine. She goes, oh, wasn't it amazing? I'm going, well, all right. I saw you went up and she goes, yeah, I, she misunderstood. She, 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 she told me, when, she, when they said to give all you have to the Lord, she goes, I don't have any money, but I had my favorite pen. So I donated my favorite pen. I'm like, yes, yes. He's gonna look at that and be like, gotcha. You didn't get that, right? A pen, wonderful. And, and, uh, and, and she goes, man, I, he was preaching it. He was bringing it. I'm going, man, he was terrible. That was really, and she goes, what'd you think? And I go, honestly, I don't know. Like it, it felt like we were being manipulated. It felt like I was being manipulated to, you know, to go give. And then she got real upset. And again, she's not like a new believer. Like she was strong in her faith and was further along than I was. And she goes, she goes, well, Brandon, he's, I bet he spent thousands of hours studying the scripture more than you. How do you know more than him? And I said, oh, there it is. You're just trusting this guy, whatever he says, right? How easy it is. And they practice this. They're good at this. And this happens all the time. I, I don't, I, I, earlier I said, I said, I don't wanna, I don't wanna, like, I'm not gonna give a laundry list of all the people, but I am gonna, I, last service I mentioned one, so I feel like I owe it to you to mention one again, okay? Here's one of the guys that I would say fits this. And, and as soon as I say his name, you're gonna be like, oh yeah, yeah, him. His name, ready for this? Okay, you're sitting down. His name is Creflo Dollar. Really? <laughs> Sir, pastor, your last name is? Dollar, Creflo Dollar became uh, instantly well-known because he said that his ministry, that God told him his ministry needs to buy him a new jet. He already had like four of them, but he needs the new G650, a $65 million jet that he was gonna ask his church to raise for him so that he can fly around and preach the gospel. Creflo Dollar, you can Google him. Here's the, here's the response, Ready? The board says it's their money and they can spend it on a $65 million jet if they want to. The board of directors of Creflo Dollars Ministry said, uh, we plan, here's what it says, we plan to buy a, and acquire a Gulfstream G650 because it is the best and is a reflection of the level of excellence at which this organization chooses to operate at. Yes, we want the best of the best and the best is a $65 million private jet. Okay, we're gonna take up a collection here. <laughs> could you imagine? Could you imagine sitting in there? And you know what? They raised the money and they bought him his jet. Here's his response, ready? It says that there's, he drew sharp criticism, of course, national criticism, this is a few years ago. And here's his response. He, did, he posted a YouTube video in front of his congregation and he says this. Okay, just listen to these words closely because I just caught this this morning. If I, if I wanna believe God for a $65 million plane, you cannot stop me. Dollar told his followers. Here it is. Ready? Listen, this is crazy. You cannot stop me from dreaming. I'm going to dream until Jesus comes. Ooh. Didn't Peter just say, didn't he just say that on the strength of their dreams, these ungodly people pollute their own bodies, reject authority, and he would be like, ooh. 
I mean, listen, Creflo is just one of many. And I don't mean, you know, I would say this, I don't know if he'd ever be here, but like, I have no problem being like, hey, this is not right. This is not right, right? Publicly, privately, whatever. But this happens and they have so many followers who get sucked into this. He goes on, Peter goes on and said that they are experts in their greed and a cursed brew. They're children of the curse, speaking of their ultimate faith. And then he gives us this, he likens them to kind of an Old Testament experience. He gives a, a kind of a, an illustration here. He says, they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Bezer who loved the wages or the, the payment, the, the, the cost of wickedness. But he was rebuked for his wrongdoing. Maybe you know the story if you've been around. He was rebuked for his wrongdoing by a donkey, an animal without speech, who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. He said, they're like him. So Balaam in the Old Testament, he's, no, he's famous for uh, his, his interaction with his donkey. He was a prophet of God, but he took, he, like he would go and bless the highest bidder. And so he, like you could pay him and say, hey, come do, come bless us, give us what we want. And he would go do that. He was a, essentially a prophet for hire. That's, there's a joke in there, non-profit. He was not a non-profit. That's a good, I'll develop that joke. That's gonna be a, next week, that's gonna kill. And he says that these people are just like him, selling out the Lord for money. False teachers prey on others to fulfill their own desires and they leave behind them a wake of hundreds, thousands of people, of victims. It's so hard, even as a pastor. Like I, I've, I've had lunches with guys who, who aren't Christians and, uh, and they'll bring these stories up and be like, man, does it bother you that, you know, other pastors are doing this and, and it comes out their lifestyle for decades, they've been abusing women or misusing funds or they've been, and I'm like, dude, it kills me more than it kills you. Because like, these are, like, they're, they're supposed to be on my team. We're supposed to be in this family and they're doing this. I'm like, dude, it's, it's rough. It is rough. Every, every time there's a news story of a new thing that comes out, like I'm usually texting or getting calls from other pastors. Like, did you hear? I'm like, yeah, dude, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy, it's crazy. And, and, and what do you know? It's been going on in Peter's day up until today. Here's the last thing he's gonna say. Now, this is where it gets, uh, uh, we, we, I'm gonna give us some options here. False teachers preach empty doctrine and ruin lives. They preach empty doctrine and they ruin lives. They ruin people's faith. They ruin their, their life here and their life, the, like their life, the next life. They ruin all of it. Here's what he says. These people are springs without water. They're mists driven by a storm. And then he says this, blackest darkness is reserved for them. There's a few portions of scripture where it talks about this outer darkness portion of, uh, of the, the punishment of hell. And, and, and he says that this blackest darkness, that's where they go. For they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing, and this is, this is so true, by appealing to the lustful desires of the flesh, by appealing to the people and their desires and what they want, by appealing to that, they are, he says that, that, uh, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. 
This is why it seems to be a reference to young or immature believers in their faith because it's people who have, who have just begun to escape. They, they, they've escaped from, from those who live in air. They've, they've escaped the ways of the world, but just barely, and they go after them and they do so by enticing them with their own desires. Ready? Listen, here's what it looks like. It doesn't sound like, hey, do whatever, you know, you like to sin, I'll give you what you want. It sounds like this. Okay, ready? God wants, to, I don't know if you guys know this, God wants to bless you. He does. And not just when you sneeze, but he wants to bless you. That was a good, that, that should have got more laughs. That was good. God wants to bless you. And listen, do you want more blessing or less blessing? I want more blessing. All right, yeah, you should. Do you want more influence in your life or do you want less influence? I want more. All right, do you want more? Do you want more financial success and blessing in your life or less? I, I don't know how many would say like, oh, I want less. All right, here's the deal. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you financially. He wants to bless you with influence. He wants to bless you with authority. So here's what you gotta do. You gotta name it. You gotta claim this blessing in your life. And here's, here, ready? God gives to those who give. He blesses those who give. So the more you give, the more you will get. So here's what you gotta do. You gotta get out your pocketbooks and, you got, and, you're, and you're going, okay, okay, yeah, I wanna, I wanna be blessed. I wanna get, okay. And you write the check and you write the check and they send it and they mail it in and, and, and they, uh, they acquire multi-million dollar organizations and ministries on the backs of people who are just trying to get blessed themselves in the name of the gospel. Ooh, they entice those who are just simply maybe just don't know enough or don't know better, or don't understand what they're hearing. It is not the gospel. They promise them freedom while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For people are slaves to whatever has mastered them. They promise freedom, but what they do is they just enslave them to themselves now. You are now, you are now someone I've tapped into to help get what I want. Ooh. Some of you, again, I've talked with you and like you, you or family members have experienced this where they, where they mortgaged homes and they like, gave all their money away to these ministries and the ministries just take up and leave. I mean, it, it was a con. You got conned by the, in the name of ministry. And that's what they're doing. Now, this last part is, a, is, is harder to land definitively on, or at least there's more debate, I would say, on this. There are really two options. Let me read it to you. And then I'll go over uh, the options, depending on the, the theological perspective you hold. Now, again, we're within the circle, the family, like the family of, like, of Christianity, of, of, uh, of evangelical belief that we would say this is acceptable. Okay, we're, with, we're not outside of that now. We're inside of it, but we're totally opposite of, of, of views of this very passage. This is one of about four passages that are called warning passages. There's uh, Hebrews 6 and Hebrews 10. Um, there's, uh, and there, this one here is another main one. It says this. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and again are entangled in it and are overcome, they are worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It would have been better. In fact, he said, it would have been better for them to have not known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. Of them, the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed returns to her wallowing in the mud. All right, this is a, a passage that, again, depending on who you read or who you listen to, um, uh, the commentaries you pick, you'll, fall, you'll land on one of two, two sides, okay? Um, first, the first one, not in any order, just, just simply like, we, we gotta pick one. one, one so option A is called 
the once saved, always saved perspective or theological view. This is the idea that if you will become a Christian, you will remain a Christian, that God will preserve you and keep you for your life. That if you truly are a Christian, you will stay a Christian. Even if you kind of fall back or get back into sin, it's okay. You're still a Christian and he's gonna preserve you to the end. You would look at this and say, all right, this person, if they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, it seems like they know him, but this is the, this is the point of this, this view. One saved, always saved, we'll say this. If someone falls away from the faith, it means this, they were never truly saved to begin with. Does that make sense? If they were saved, they would have remained a believer. Because they didn't remain a believer, that means they were never, like the past life, their past experience, they never were a Christian, a true follower of Jesus. They were never truly saved. It just looked like it. They played the game. It, they, they, uh, it was an imitation. It was a, a, a fake, but it was never real. It just looked like it. And then they fell away, so they were never saved. So they would read this and say, this is describing a person, these false teachers, who it looks like they're followers of Jesus, but because clearly they fell away, so they weren't. If they have escaped the corruption of the world by knowing uh, our Lord and Savior, they know about him, but, but they're entangled, they left, they're worse off than they were at the beginning. Like, like they've actually gone negative. Like, man, they've mocked him again. Okay, option, so that's option A, once saved, always saved. Option B is what we could term once saved, but walked away. I was saved, they were saved, they fell away, and so they walked away from the faith. A lot of people will say like, well, they, did they lose their salvation? And I don't, that's, the language is kind of, isn't really helpful. It isn't that they lost it, but rather that they gave it up. They turned in their badge, so to speak. They said, I don't want it anymore. So if you're in this camp, you would say, you can become a Christian. They, it seems to say that they've escaped the corruption of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior. The, the Greek word knowing there is the same Greek word he uses in, in verse three, where he talks about being saved by knowing Jesus. All right, they seem to have seriously, genuinely known Jesus, and then they fell away. They were saved, and then they said, actually, we don't want it anymore. And they walked away. Okay, those are your options. Now, we could spend the next two hours debating this and discussing which option is right. So we're gonna do that. Sit down. I hope you brought your lunch. <laughs> Here's the thing, okay? We, as much as we want to debate and as that would fun, be fun to be or you, mean, you, you love that conversation, here's what you have to know, ready? Regardless of which option you choose, the result is the same. That they aren't followers of Jesus. Whether they never were or they were and left, the result is terrible and is the worst thing you want. That he says that, they've, that they're worse off, that they're worse off than they had they never heard the gospel ever. For them, they've returned to the vomit or a sow that was once washed is now back wallowing in the mud. He says that these false teachers, that this is, this is who they are and ready for this. And this is what they do to people. This is what they do that they pull people out of the faith if they were ever to begin to, be, to believe to begin with. Again, the end result is the same. They're not following Jesus. The finish line and the result is the same. False teachers preach empty doctrine and ruin lives. So who you listen, who you listen to influences you. And this is true of you. It's true of me. Who you listen to politically, educationally, uh, um, in your career, but also spiritually in the church. Who you listen to influences you. So listen 
wisely. Choose wisely and carefully who you listen to. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? We're going to pray and, and then worship the Lord together. So the encouragement, the challenge is this. It isn't that, hey, this week, go try this. The, the challenge is this. Be intentional and careful about who you listen to. Knowing that there are false teachers and it was really easy to get sucked in. And so for you, it means studying and looking at the genuine thing, the genuine faith and say, I want that. There's plenty of books about all this other stuff, but I just, I just need and want more of Jesus. Would you pray with me? So before we pray, if, if you need prayer, there will be a prayer team up here um, who would love to pray with you, pray for you. Maybe, maybe this has even brought up some stuff in your past of, of an experience you had with church and just trust, and, and I, I get it. If you'd like prayer, we'd love to pray with you. During the song, you can come up and get prayer. So Lord, we love you and we thank you and we pray that, that, um, that, we, that we would be faithful to who you are, that we would understand that there really are there really are false teachers in the church trying to deceive and pull us away for their own selfish gain. Will you protect us from that? And will you give us wisdom and insight and courage to resist any of that we come across? We love you, Lord. We worship you now. We pray this in Jesus' name.